Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. You know, I was telling Roland, I have worked and worked on how to get people to come back on Sunday night. You know, when we dismiss you, you're not just dismissed. We're having church here tonight, and we couldn't do that without you. I mean, if it was just me and Roland, it wouldn't be a very exciting service. So we want you to come back, and I've decided that I figured out a method that may work. We're going to find out, but I'm going to preach on hell this morning. Tonight, I'm preaching on heaven. If you were going to skip a service, it should have been this one, but here you are. Doors are locked. You do not want to go home and not come back for part two of this one. Give you nightmares, all right? No, I'm teasing. But I do want to teach on this. I feel compelled to do it. I wouldn't do it normally. I don't believe anybody in this room is going to hell. And if if that's a question, you can settle that issue today. However, I've been disturbed, and I think maybe you'll agree with me. I'm disturbed at our society. They've gotten so sissified, so soft, they don't want to be offended. They don't even, not, not only do they not want to debate, they don't even want to hear a contrary thought. And if you say something they don't agree with, they want to shut you up. And it's completely eliminated the discussion of hell. Now, we could still talk about heaven. There are movies that come out about heaven. But what I'm concerned about, tell me if you, if you agree with this, what I'm concerned about is the impression has been left on our society as a whole that heaven is out there. It's a good place. It's a wonderful place. When you die, you see the light, and you go toward the light. And if there is a heaven, let's just assume that there is, then, you know, if you just do your best, everybody's just going to wind up there, and everybody's going to live happily ever after. Isn't that the impression? You could take the most vile person in the world, and they pass away, and their relatives say, well, I know the old man's looking down on me. Well, maybe not. But you can't say that. You can't think that. You can't bring it up. And I'm, I'm serious. How can we expect society to make a decision about eternal matters when they don't have all the facts? And I'm not going to be a hellfire and brimstone preacher. That's just not my style. But I am going to talk to you about hell. There is a place called hell, and there's no reason that anyone should ever go there. However, people do go there every day, and that is the tragedy. Are you with me? Go, go with me to Luke 16. I'm going to read this to you from the Bible. And, you know, I, somebody has said this to me. I haven't verified it, but that Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. Well, I haven't done that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not stupid. If God's not going to force me to, I don't want to offend anybody or upset anybody. I'd rather talk about heaven. But I don't feel like I can talk about heaven without at least giving you the other side. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. 
There was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of stores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died, and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus received evil things, but now he's comforted and you're tormented. Besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those... Uh, from there passed to us. And he said, Well, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Now that's sobering, and this is just going to be a little sobering today, but that's all right. As my pastor, Mark Brzee, says, I'd rather offend people into heaven than comfort them into hell. There is a hell. Now this is not a parable. It says a certain rich man. He didn't say here that rich people go to hell and poor people go to heaven. He did, however, say that it was hard for a rich man or a man or woman who trusts in riches to go into the kingdom of God. Didn't he say that? And I could say this, anything that somebody trusts in other than Jesus will send them to hell. So he's not saying here that rich people go to hell and poor people go to heaven. This just happened to be the case here. But I'll tell you something. We live in a society, think about this worldwide. I've been to some of the African nations, and they are poor, poor, and there's 40, 50% Christian. The missionaries don't tell you that because they don't want, you know, but they're 40 and 50% Christian, and you go to some of the more developed nations in Europe, and they may be 2%, less than 2%, rich. They're trusting in riches. We are the conscience of the nation. We are the conscience of the world. And if we don't talk about such things, they're never going to hear it. I'm very concerned that our generation is not getting all the facts so that they can make a decision. If you look at this, let me just justify this one more time. In Jude 1, uh, 22, or Jude 22, it says, On some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. <laughs> I know the goodness of God leads men to repentance, but there are some people that just aren't motivated by goodness. I believe there are people out there that need to hear the other side. They may not, on their own, run into the arms of a loving God, but they may flee from the flames of an eternal hell if they at least knew that it existed. 
Now, I don't want to scare people. That's not my, 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 my motive here. I don't think fear is good in any level, but a, a wholesome respect is healthy. And to know the consequences is healthy. You know, we, we talk about the prison system in America, don't we? Did you know there's prisons here? Did you get up every day and go, oh, my God, I hope I don't go to jail today? Now, maybe if you're a criminal, you think that way. But most law-abiding citizens, now, if traffic tickets could send you to jail, I'd be there. But uh, short of that, I haven't committed a felony and don't plan on it. So I don't really live my life in fear of prison, but it, it does serve as kind of a motivation. I don't want to go there. And if there was ever anybody I wanted to kill, I've seen forensic files. Don't do it. You're going to get caught. <laughs> They're going to find your DNA. There's no way to get away with it. So anyway, but, but, but you understand what I'm saying. Just because we talk about prison doesn't mean we're, we're, we're heaping guilt and condemnation on people. But I want my kids to know there's a prison. There's a prison system. There's, there are consequences for your actions. You can't just do whatever you feel like doing. And that's what our world's being told. It's time somebody pushed back and said, you can't just do anything you want. There are consequences to your actions. I grew up in a denominational church. I don't know if I've told you which one it was, and I won't today, but we visited the Baptist church. We visited. Our church, our denomination got out earlier than the Baptist. That's all I knew. We got to the restaurant. We got out at 1125. You could set your watch. 11.25, we're out of church, and off we'd be. And the Baptists go till noon. The new Pentecostals, <laughs> they told me, just forget it. Don't even worry about it today. So, no, I'm kidding. So I went to the Baptist. I was just a little boy. Then I went to the Baptist church with my dad, and I'll never forget that sermon. It scared the fire out of me. I had nightmares. I, I couldn't sleep. The, the preacher was, he was a Baptist and he was a hellfire and brimstone preacher and he was preaching on eternity. Eternity! Still scares me today. I don't, want, I don't want to be that. He said eternity in hell. He said, the, uh, he said to, to give you an idea of the length of eternity, you could take a little bird. And this little bird could fly all the way to the Atlantic Ocean and get a drop of water from the Atlantic Ocean and fly across the United States 2,000 miles to the Pacific Ocean and drop that drop of water in the Pacific Ocean and fly back to the Atlantic Ocean and get another drop of water and fly back across the United States to the Pacific Ocean and drop that drop of water into the Pacific Ocean and fly back to the Atlantic Ocean. And when the Atlantic Ocean was finally emptied out, eternity had just begun. And I, ah, ah, I, I had nightmares. That poor bird. How does that bird know where to, and what if he drinks the water? He's got to go all the way back. And it's, uh, I wasn't prepared for that kind of, you know what I'm saying? But I did do this as a child, as a boy. I, I did decide this, and it may have been partly due to that. I don't know. I decided I don't want to go to hell. I didn't know how to get saved. In our church, if you went forward, they shook your hand. Somehow I just knew that's not going to get the job done. 
I just knew I need more than a handshake. I, that's not going to help me at night when I'm fearing hell. But I made up my mind. I'm going to find out how. And I, I thought for a while you could never know for sure. But I thought I am going to make this my life's mission. I want to miss hell and I want to go to heaven. Amen. And you know what? That wasn't such a bad state of affairs. Even though it may have cost me some sleep. I prayed some heartfelt prayers. I didn't know how to believe the Word of God. I didn't understand Romans 10.9. I didn't know the things that we know today. But I knew one thing. I don't want to go to hell. I am concerned, folks, that there's a generation of people out there that don't even think hell's an option. I don't know if we've done our job. For fear of being labeled a heretic or a hellfire and brimstone or whatever, I don't know about you, but I'm just a realist. If there's a hell, I want to be the first to know. Tell me that it's true and then tell me what to do about it because I don't want to go there. Amen. So my po first point today is there is a hell. There is a hell. We shouldn't avoid it. and We should at least let people know. be a terrible thing for people to end up there and not know that it was an option. Especially people we know. People that we love. People that look to us as the spiritual one. Rather than offend them or say something that's politically incorrect. We ignore this whole subject and then they don't have the facts to sit down and make a, a, a rational decision. In, in Acts 24, let me just further back this up. Verse 25, this is when Paul was in prison and with uh, the governor Felix became governor and he would talk to Paul often. He was wanting a bribe, but uh, Paul wasn't going to give him a bribe. But you, you know what Paul did? He, he witnessed to Felix and in, in verse 25, it says, Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. It's not wrong to tell people about the judgment to come. It says Felix was what? Not everything that we say makes people feel warm and fuzzy. If somebody's on their way to hell, they should know it. I have a friend who was, lives in the mountains and he was driving up a mountain road and he went around a curve and a, a car was, was stalled off to the side. I don't know if it had hit an animal or had car trouble, but anyway, it was, it was kind of in the road around this blind curve. Well, he immediately realized that people could, not knowing if they came around that too fast, they would hit this car. So he pulled his car over and he began to walk down the road around the curve. People couldn't see, and he began to wave people down to warn them. He said people honked. They gave him obscene gestures. They cussed him. And all he's trying to do is warn them that there's danger around that curve. Folks, what kind of witness could we be if we're not willing to take the heat? 
Lester Sumrall, when he was called to the ministry, and I haven't reread this lately, but I know that it's the case, when God called him to the ministry, one of the things that motivated him was he saw masses of people plunging headlong over this cliff into eternal fire. We ought to know such things. See, here, here's, the, here's the issue. Think about this. If there is not a hell, which is what the world desperately wants to believe, when the world gets on the bandwagon, you've got to ask, what's wrong with this topic? I mean, if they're, if they're for it, something's got to be wrong. If there's not a hell, it really doesn't matter what we believed. Our message isn't that important. What we do is not really that urgent because whatever you want to believe is fine. Am I right? And that's kind of the way the world lives. However, if there is a hell, then what we do becomes the most important thing in the world. And our message is the, the most important message. And our, our responsibility becomes all the more important to those around us, to our generation, if there's a hell. I mean, it changes everything. If there's no hell, Paul said it. If there's no life after death, let's just eat and drink for tomorrow we die. What's the use? I mean, what's the point? Just enjoy. Believe what you want. All roads lead to God. It doesn't matter. But if there's a hell, then it does matter. And if there's a way out of hell, and there is, there's one way, only one way. And listen, let me just make this point. This is not your universe. You don't make the rules. You don't decide what's right and what's wrong, what's up and what's down. You don't decide how to get to heaven. Those rules are made beyond us and above us. And, and without our approval, you just have to find out what are the rules and get with that program. I, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for the fact that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the way. I, I'm just glad to tell the world, yes, there's a hell, but there's a way to avoid hell. I wasn't sure myself for a while, but I know now there's a way to avoid hell and make heaven your home. And his name is Jesus. And I'm not going to fight that. I'm not going to resent that. I'm not going to turn away from that. I'm going to embrace it. I'm just glad there's a way. God provided a way. And we're going to deal with this if we have time today. I want to deal with this issue because it needs to be dealt with. How could a loving God send somebody to hell? There have been mainline, mainstream ministers that have thrown away the faith over that issue. And let me just preface it by saying this. God is just. You can't see everything from this side. We see through a glass darkly. But I'm going to tell you, people do go to hell. I can read a Bible and I understand it. And in order to do away with hell, you have to do away with the Bible. But God is just. And whatever happens in the end, we're all going to stand up with God and say, you did the right thing. I can't explain it all right here, right now. I don't understand every bit of it, but I, can, I have faith to fill in the blanks. How about you? Well, do you think, you know, so-and-so's right? I, I don't know. I, I just have to believe. Well, what if somebody's living uh, overseas and they never hear the gospel and they die? I don't know. But I have to act as if everybody in my generation must hear this message. Amen. And let God take care of that which I can't control. And in the end, what's right will be done. And you'll agree that God did the right thing.
Do we have that much faith and confidence in God that we can say, you know what, I don't understand how people can go to hell. You may not grasp that. I mean, <laughs> maybe I came from a different generation. We have people that don't spank their kids anymore. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even want to go back to that. I, I, it's like my mother would carry on a conversation with me while she's spanking me. I mean, we'd go in a circle and she'd ask questions. Or you, sorry, you did that to your sister? <laughs> do you want me to answer you right now? Or do you want me to cry? I can't do both. <laughs> I mean, we live in a world that's afraid to, to even think about retribution or, 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 or any kind of consequences for actions. But listen, we live... We live in a universe. You, you can't preach heaven without hell. You can't preach God without a devil. You can't preach right without wrong. We live in a world of polar opposites, so it just makes sense that there would be a hell. But nobody should go there. Nobody should ever have to go there. Jude 1 uh, seven or Jude seven, as Sodom and Gomorrah and cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Sodom and Gomorrah were an example to us. Say, so, well, God's over all that now. Well, you know what? This is an age of grace. I admit that. But there's coming a day of judgment. There's a way out, but only one. And, and if people don't accept God's offer of forgiveness and salvation, they will have to face the wrath of God, the judgment of God for their sins. We live in a, in a universe where that has to be the case. Sin cannot be unaccounted for. It has to be accounted for in order for God to be just. I know you know this, but how many of you can tell this just needs to be said? It, it just like settles something in your spirit. I, I, again, I, you know, they've had that movie, Heaven, Heaven is for Real, and, and I like that, and I'm, I don't doubt that that little boy went to heaven, but I don't like the impression that it left upon society, which is, that's nice. They put it in the category of the Easter Bunny, and you know, never, never land and Peter Pan and whatever in heaven. And if there is a heaven, I mean, I mean, look, you just do your best. But no, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And, and if I didn't know for sure I was going to heaven, that would be number one priority in my life. And it was until I knew that was the number one priority. I can remember spending the night out under the stars with a friend of mine, just little boys. And I said, oh, I wish I knew I was going to heaven. He said, well, I'm sure you are. I said, well, that doesn't help me that much. I'm glad you're sure that I am, but that doesn't help me. I want to know, oh, I want to know I'm going to heaven when I die. I don't want to go to hell. God, keep me alive until I know and then I'd heard Billy Graham preach on the coming of the Lord. And I said, no, don't come. Not today. I just hit my sister and things are not going well at home. Wish you to come yesterday. This is not a good day. <laughs> if 
you don't know you're going to heaven, that ought to be the number one priority in your life for your family, for your kids. You know, really, nothing else even compares to that. Whatever else you do or don't do in life really doesn't make much difference compared to that. If, if you say yes to Jesus and, and you're just a slacker for the rest of your life and you get to heaven, you won. I can't even impress that enough. It's all about Him and what He did. Psalm 9, verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. There's a place called hell. Isaiah 14, 9. Hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. All the chief ones of the earth it has raised up from their thrones, all the kings of the nations. These are scriptures. Let me just make this point number two. Point number one is there is a hell. Are you with me? <laughs> I always try not to preach over anybody's head. <laughs> There's a hell. Number two, I, I think this is important to note. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. People were never supposed to go to hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, verse 4. In fact, you know, if you want these notes, they are on my website. I taught them on my program. And you can go to my website and download all these notes. It's called Heaven and Hell Study Notes. And so if you want to quit writing, you can just go get them the easy way. Um, hell, in Matthew 25, 41, it says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. And, and I'm going to get into more of this issue of how, can, how could God send anybody there or let anyone go there. But, 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 but think about this. There had to be a place for the devil. Do you agree with that? I mean, is hell just for the devil? What are you going to do with the devil? You can't just bring him to heaven. What are you going to do with him? You can't just let him run around. He's rebelled against God. He's evil and through and through. There's no redeeming him, no, no changing him, no reforming him. He had to be confined. Amen. And he will be forever and ever. And that's really what hell was for. Yeah, there had to be a place like that. The third point. We should avoid hell at all costs. It just makes me happy to say that. I, you know what? Just to tell the world, you should avoid hell at all costs. Nothing's more important. Here's what Jesus said. And maybe this will make this, help this make sense to you more. Matthew 5.29 says, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Cast it from you. It is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. 
If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. You say, well, what does that mean? Listen, we understand that faith in Jesus is what brings you to... If there's anything keeping you from trusting in Jesus... And that's what happens. Listen, you could have 500 people in this place and 250 be unsaved and you could have an altar call and 200 of them go, yes, but. Yeah, I, I know, but, but I, it's personal. I'm not ready. Whatever that is, it, cut it off. It's not worth it. Yeah, but I'd have to lose my job. Lose it! Amen. Yeah, but I'd have to quit cheating and I need that money. Quit it! Yeah, but my friends would, wouldn't, wouldn't accept me anymore. Lose them. Cut it off. Get rid of it. It's not worth it. Whatever it takes for you to trust in Jesus and throw caution to the wind and forget the past and say, Lord, I I'm not going to hold anything back. If it was my own hand, I'd cut it off. If it was my own foot, I'd cut it off if I had to, to accept Jesus and go to heaven. Isn't that clear? There's nothing more important. Jesus is saying, avoid it at all costs. You weren't created to go to hell. You weren't born to go to hell. You weren't redeemed to go to hell. You weren't, you weren't commissioned. That wasn't the, the plan at all from, from the beginning. And whatever it takes for you to accept Jesus and walk the aisle. If you have to walk it five times. I went, to, uh, I went back to another Baptist church and I went to the altar and I went to another church and I went to the altar and I still didn't think I got it. And I called the 700 Club and I still didn't think I got it. And I called PTL and I still didn't think I had it. And I went to a Billy Graham crusade and I went down. I was going to get this! I don't want to go to hell! So were you afraid of God? Never once was I afraid of God. I never blamed it on God. I just didn't want to go to hell. It's not such a bad thing. And I got saved, just so you know. <laughs> I did get saved. <laughs> and I'm still not over it. There's still times when I go to bed at night and pinch myself and go, I'm going to heaven. Amen. I'm going to heaven. Man, I might not have done some of the things I wanted to do, and I might have done some things I wish I hadn't done, but I'm going to heaven, and I still can't get over that. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> I'm going to heaven. Amen. Man, that little prayer used to scare me. <laughs> As a seven-year-old, now I lay me down to sleep. So I'm okay at that point. I am laying down to go to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Hmm? If I should die... Before I wake, I was a literalist. I mean, I'm thinking, you mean I could die here? I could die right now before I wake up. And now I'm supposed to go to sleep. Knowing this, I'm supposed to sleep now. And then it got worse. I pray the Lord my soul to take. In other words, I may die and he may not take me. Therefore, I could die and go to hell before morning. I'm not going to sleep. God, please save me. It just, every, when you don't have enough information, <laughs> it's a little much for a little boy to handle. <laughs> Thank God for the truth.
Number four, hell is the final abode of the wicked. There's no way out. There's no way out. Now, I'm going to take you to Revelation. You knew we were going there, didn't you? All right, let's just go. You just got to do it. Revelation. And I think we'll go to Revelation 19, 11. And, and I'm not an end-time preacher, but there are certain events. In fact, I do have a new series on end times, but what I do is just teach these events as separate components because the, the biggest debate about end times is when things are going to happen. So I just teach these different components and say you can put them in any order you want. Just use them like cards and put them however you want. But, but certain things are going to happen. The Battle of Armageddon is going to happen. And this is how the Battle of Armageddon ends. But, but let, me, let me just get you up to, up to speed here. The Battle of Armageddon actually is, is formed in Revelation 16. It says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophets. For they are spirits of demons performing signs, now listen, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So these demons are going to stir people up to get them to fight against God. And, and that's what we see here in Revelation 19 here is we see this army gathered together to fight against God that's stirred up by devils, it's happening today. People get stirred. You know, we live in a, in a day and a time when, when to be a good person is to be hated. And to do good is to be attacked. Just attacked. It's not live and let live anymore. If you try to attempt something good, you're a target. If, if you're just known as a good person, you're just hated. L look at Tim Tebow. And I'm, not, I'm just picking him as an example. I don't know all his doctrine, but he's a Christian. What has he ever done to hurt anyone? I don't know of one thing he did other than kneel and pray. He's never hurt anybody. He promotes helping people, and they hate him. Hate him. Why? There's this spirit of Antichrist in the world, and it's active, and it's working. And this same spirit is going to gather momentum and gather the kings and the armies of the world together to fight against God. And, and then in verse 11, this is Revelation 19, 11, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, praise God, and him who sat on him was called faithful and true. In righteousness he judges and he makes war. Verse 12, his eyes were like a flame of fire. It's safe to say the age of grace is over on this day. It's over. There's no more, uh, no more offer. Today, God is offering His arms are open to whosoever will. The way has been made. The price has been paid. But it's going to come to an end. It's not going to be this way forever. And Paul reasoned with Felix about judgment to come. And here it is. This is part of it anyway. 
Verse 12, his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written which no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe uh, dipped in blood and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen and white and clean followed him on white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword and with it you should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself uh, treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. There is a day of judgment coming, and if we didn't tell people that, then we're not doing our job. If, if we told them that it wasn't, we'd be lying to them. There is a day of wrath and judgment that's coming. In verse 16, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. It's Jesus. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and he's going to set things right in this world. Now, I want to be ready for that. I want to be, be a part of the answer, not part of the problem. Verse 17, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of the heaven, Come gather yourselves together for supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and captains and mighty men, flesh of horses. Look, there's going to be... Uh, all right, we might as well get to this point. Verse 19, I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. There is going to be thousands, millions of people gathered together with the devil to fight God. You could say, you know, I don't understand it or whatever, but it's going to happen. I don't understand it either. I mean, you could take a poll right now, anywhere you want to go. Go to any prison and say, how many of you want to go to heaven? It'd probably be 100%. How many of you want to go to hell? Nobody. But that's not the question. The question is, do you accept Jesus? Do you accept God's offer of salvation? Do you accept His way? Because there's only one. You don't get to pick your way to heaven. You don't get to decide how you get there. There's only one way. And thank God He decided to make a way, because then we'd all be in hell if He hadn't. There is a way. There is an answer. There is someone who paid the price and his name is Jesus. And that's just how it is. But there are millions of people who will gather together against God and against Christ to fight against God. They don't want God. They don't want God's answer. They don't want the price that was paid, the blood that was shed. They don't want it. So here it is. Let me ask you this. What's God supposed to do with these people? What's he supposed to do with them? The question is not, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? Here's the question. How could God, who's given everybody a free will, force everybody to heaven? He cannot. He will not. There is a way. But it all boils down to a choice. And it started in the Garden of Eden. It's all, always been about a choice. Human choice. People's choice. God will not override your choice. You have the ability to choose. And nobody can make you and nobody can stop you. You choose. But if people choose against God and they choose to spit on His sacrifice, His offering, His offer of salvation, what's He supposed to do with them? That He can't just let them off. He can't just say, oh, well, just come on to heaven anyway. It would defile heaven just like it's defiled the earth. He's got to put them somewhere. They can't just roam free, so there's got to be a place of confinement. And, and to me, it's not about the fire and the worms and all the 
brimstone. If you could imagine, and you can't, a place on earth where there was no escape, where people were put there forever, and there was no hope of salvation, there was no presence of God, no love of God, no touch of God, and no hope to ever see or know or relate to God ever again. And you took people of like mind and you put them in that place and you shut them up there forever. That's hell. You understand? The fires may be symbolic, I don't know, but that's hell. But folks, there's only two choices. I'm sorry. There is no other choice. I'm not making the rules. It's not, it's not, I just, I have a Bible. That's just how it is. And if I told you it wasn't, I'd be lying to you. I can't imagine an army fighting against God. I mean, look, if you want to go do your own thing and ignore God, that's one thing. But here they are incensed by the devil and you can see traces of it now can you not I mean they hate anything that has to do with good or right or God and Jesus is going to come and destroy this army destroy it in the battle of Armageddon verse 20 then the beast was captured with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. And these two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. This is the final abode of the wicked, this lake of fire. And I could get into all these other compartments, but we won't do that. Just, we just know, just keep it simple. Heaven and hell, this is hell. The lake of fire. The beast and the false prophet at this point are cast into the lake of fire. Verse 21, the rest were killed with a sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. In chapter 20, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven having a key to the bottomless pit. Now this is another place, a prison of sorts. The abyss, it's where demons are jailed right now. Satan is going to be put there in this bottomless pit. And a great chain was in the hand of this angel. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. He makes, no mis- he, he makes sure you know who this is. This is the devil, Satan himself, who is the devil, and bound him for a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. He set a seal on him so that he could deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. This is astounding to me. Now, you and I are not in... You understand, we're raptured by now. We're with Jesus. Wherever he is, we are. And this begins the millennial reign of Christ. Praise God. A thousand years that we live on this earth. And then I'll make it to all those places I missed. And I'll take that hot air balloon right over the Serengeti. You know all the stuff you didn't do that you wish you could have done? God's going to make it all up to you in this thousand year reign. Jesus is going to sit in Jerusalem and rule the world. Which means that there are going to be people still alive on the earth that didn't get saved, that didn't get killed, that lived through the tribulation, 
And Jesus is going to come back and, and rule. Well, let's just read it because he, he, he goes ahead and says it. Verse 6, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. For they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's us. Oh, man. That's us. Blessed are we, for we are raised in the first resurrection. We get our new bodies back and we could go through all that, but you're going to get a new body and you're going to like it. It's going to be beautiful. It's never going to get sick. It's never going to get old. It's never going to get fat. It's never going to get skinny. It's never going to get weak. It's, never, it's going to be perfect, just like it was supposed to be. Jesus already paid for it. You're going to get it. And we're going to rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years and people are going to live natural people are going to live and have children for a thousand years the population will explode there won't be any devil isn't that cool the devil's going to be in the abyss he's going to be chained he's going to be in solitary confinement now the beast and the false prophet are already in the lake of fire that's the second death there's no escape from that that's over that's done that's where they are that's permanent but the devil himself is going to be in solitary for a thousand years. You think, well, maybe he'll do some soul searching. <laughs> you know, if I was in solitary for a thousand years and they let me out, I'd go, I have a few things I'd like to say. <laughs> I don't know how we got so crossways, but I have really decided to change some things. You know what I mean? Who, who, would be, who wouldn't be different after a thousand years chained in solitary confinement? Well, the devil, he won't be any different. He's irredeemable. He's evil through and through. There's, no, there's nothing you can do with him. That's why hell was created. Are you with me? Look at verse 7. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. He's going to get out. He's going to be loosed in a world filled with people who were born and raised in the millennial reign of Christ. Jesus will have ruled the world for a thousand years. You and I will be ruling and reigning with Him. Probably Roland will be somewhere south because he doesn't like the north. I want Mexico for myself. It's dear to my heart. Um, we love Cozumel. Anyway, that's, forgive me, I'm tired, I'm ready for a vacation, and I can, my mind goes away. But I, here's, here's why hell is so important, and, and I'm answering the question, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? There will be people who will be raised in a millennial reign of Jesus, in a world where there's peace and Love, the lion will lay down with the lamb and, and, and there won't be any evil, there won't be any devils. People will live in a veritable paradise as much as you can have on this present earth. And after a thousand years, the devil's going to be loosed from the prison. Verse 8, And he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, together with them, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. Can you imagine? After a thousand years of Jesus ruling, Satan's going to get out, and guess what he's going to do? Gather another army. 
If, if it was me, see, and that's why it's all about a choice. Every generation in every age gets to make a choice. And there has to be a choice. Do you understand? How, how can we have a free will and a choice and there's only one choice, heaven? That's not a choice. There's got to be one and the other. There has to be a choice. There have to be at least two options. Or it's not a choice. Satan gets out after a thousand years and he goes around to the world that's lived under the rule of Jesus and said, Hey, I got an idea. Let's build an army. Yeah, and do what? Fight against Jesus. Let's destroy him and take over the world. How about it? I would have a few questions. Like, have you ever commanded an army before? Have you ever been in a battle before? How did it go? Could I see your resume? You want me to bet my eternal destiny on your leadership skills. And the last battle, everybody got killed and you went to solitary confinement for a thousand years. And people are evidently going to know all this. And they're going to choose to join with the devil and fight against Jesus. And my question is, what is God supposed to do? Put yourself in His shoes. As best we can, I'm telling you, we see through a glass darkly and you can't un understand all of these issues. But really, put yourself just in God's shoes and you've got this army coming against you to destroy you. You want to take everybody to heaven, but they obviously don't want to go. They want to build their own utopia on earth without God and without Jesus and without God's influence. What's he supposed to do? Say, you know what? I'm just going to ignore that. You don't. You, you, just come on to heaven. He can't do that. How could a loving God send anybody to hell? How could He not? How could He not? So, well, couldn't He make a place better? Probably. But when they all got there, it would turn into hell because it's permanent. And there's no God there. There's no good. And that's what makes hell, hell. And if you come back tonight, we're going to talk about what makes heaven, heaven. And it's not golden streets and, and the river of life. That's wonderful, but it's God Himself. It's Jesus and unconditional love. Oh, that's where we belong. That's what we were born for. That's what we long for. That's why we don't feel totally at home here. We don't belong here. We belong there. There's a place called heaven. Look at verse 9. This is Re Revelation 20. I, I read this and I can't even believe it. I can't believe anybody would be that dumb or that stubborn or that mean or that... Jesus will, will not have hurt anyone and yet they're going to fight against Him. Verse, verse 9, They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire... That was it. This is it, folks. This is it. Fire came down from heaven, from God, and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are 
and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now I'm going to read this next part and I just want you to hear it. You probably haven't seen this for a while and I want you to hear it. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth fled and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and books were opened. You know what's in those books? Every deed, every word, every action of every person who's ever lived. And they will stand before God and give an account for everything they've ever done, said, or thought in light of His holiness. Unless another book was opened, which is the book of life. You need to make sure your name is written in the book of life. And the dead were judged by their works, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And here's the good news. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the eternal abode of the wicked. And I ask you again, what else is God supposed to do? He's made His offer. Jesus paid a horrific price and offered it to the world freely. And they spit on it and they deny it and they hate it and they fight against it and literally try to kill Him again. There's got to be a place for them. There has to be a place for us. And there is. It's hell and heaven. Make sure your name's written in the book of life. And I tell you, I, I do this with all. Uh, I, I was compelled to do it. I was forced to do it. I was led to do it. I couldn't not do it. I want to talk about heaven tonight, but I didn't want to shortchange anybody. Because there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me? Let's just let that soak in for a moment. I know there's freedom in this church to do whatever. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.